Now, I say without any fear of successful contradiction that 99.5% of the Christians in the world today do not know what the dispensation of the mystery is. Well, if they do not know, how can they make it known? And you can learn in 30 minutes what it is. You can learn in 30 minutes. If you get into the study of God's Word. Now that's the ultimate in the chart. To give you the outline of the Bible so you'll now know how to enjoy and understand. Now I'd like to make the announcement again about our Brother Wayne Webb, his father passed away in, uh, out in California. I had a letter from his father some time ago, and he had opposed the message for a while. And he came, he says, I have come to the conclusion that uh, in rightly dividing the word of truth and studying all scripture in the light of Paul's last seven epistles, is the only way that you can ever intelligently understand the Bible and reconcile the seeming uh, contradiction. And he sent for books after books to give away out there in a work where he was, uh, in the place where he was working. And he had, uh, it was right for heaven, a real faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wayne is a true friend of the people here, and he has many friends here. I'm sure we'll pray for him. You know, a strange thing, his mother wired to him or phoned to him and asked him if he would preach the funeral services for his father. That would be a pretty difficult test, a task, but I don't know whether he did it or not. Now, our subject tonight, we might uh, use the uh, words that we find in the fourth chapter of Acts. I mentioned the fact this morning, announcing our subject, that the only way that uh, God has been able to reach the kings of the world has been through his servants who were slaves or prisoners. It's been very difficult to reach the kings. Now remember, in the, both the Hebrew and the Greek, you have the same word for kings and for rulers. Many of the rulers were not uh, the top-ranking kings, but nevertheless they were men who were in authority. They were rulers. In the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, uh, we have this statement. When uh, Peter and John were put in jail at Jerusalem for... Uh, healing that lame man at the gate beautiful, and then went on to preach that the only way anyone could be saved was by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they put, uh, put them in prison. And then you remember, it says in the 23rd verse of the 4th of Acts, Peter and John being let go went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth. 
and the sea, and all that in them is. Now, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ and God link themselves together, and each is called in the Bible the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That title is given to both the Father and the Son, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He said, Who by thy mouth, by the, the mouth of thy servant David, hast said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. Now these were the religious rulers. They were the same rulers who had the Lord Jesus Christ nailed to the cross. Pilate was a ruler, but he was a, tried to be a just judge. And according to the Roman law, the Lord Jesus Christ should never have been put to death. But you remember what they said, if thou art the friend of Caesar, thou wilt not let him go. And then the, when he was crucified, they put above his cross in three languages, the Greek, that represented the uh, presidents of the universities, that represented the wisdom, that the culture of the day. They put it in the Greek language. They put it in the Latin language, which represented Caesar and political power. Then they put it in the Hebrew language, which represented the religious rulers. And you find in the case of Peter and Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ and others, it was the religious rulers who persuaded the political rulers uh, to punish these men who were absolutely innocent. They, none of them broke any of the laws of Rome, but yet the religious rulers forced them to punish these men of God. Now the first ruler we have is a man by the name of Potiphar. I wonder how long since you've read the 36th chapter of Genesis. You know, when Joseph grew up and his father made him a coat of many colors, he was a favored son, and uh, Jacob loved him. And you remember what happened. All the other sons, Joseph's brethren, envied him. They said, we'll have to get rid of him. And they took him and put him in the pit they were going to slay him. But they did not slay him. They took the blood of an animal and put it here and dipped his coat and took it home. But the Ishmaelites came along and they sold him for how many pieces of silver? Twenty pieces of silver. The Lord Jesus was sold for thirty pieces of silver. Now Joseph is one of the almost perfect types of the Lord Jesus in the Bible. 
You know, there are two or three men in the Bible against whom there is no charge. You know, Samuel asked him at the close of his life, which one of you have anything against me? Have I been a, a consistent, moral, upright, religious leader? And they consented. You won't find anything against Daniel. And you won't find anything against Joseph. Now, that doesn't mean that they were perfect, but they were types in a way of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and he was sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar had a very high place with Pharaoh in Egypt. And when Potiphar got into trouble, he had already made a prisoner out of Joseph. You've read it. It's one of the most interesting stories in all the Bible. You remember, finally, when Joseph revealed himself to his father and his brethren, and they all began to weep? He said, don't weep. He said, you think you were responsible solely for this? He said, you know that God was overruling all the time, and God permitted you to do this. It was by the permissive will of God so I could be the Savior of the world. You know, Joseph became the Savior of the world. There were seven years of famine, and the whole world would have perished if it hadn't been for the wisdom that God gave to Joseph. And Joseph went to the king, and he said to him, You put up the provisions now for seven years, because following these seven years of plenty, we're going to have seven years of famine. And so they provided, and he became the Savior of the world. And he became a slave and a prisoner of Potiphar and of Pharaoh just for a little while. Finally, he was put on the throne with the king and brought to the highest place of political power in Egypt. And uh, Pharaoh there asked all of his people to worship the God of Joseph. But Joseph had his opportunity. He never would have had the opportunity to speak to Potiphar or to Pharaoh if he had not been sold as a slave and become a prisoner. And in becoming a slave and a prisoner, then he asked of Pharaoh that all of his family might come down. So in the first of Exodus, we find out that 70 souls out of the loins of Jacob went down to Egypt. About 1700 B.C., Joseph was already there, we're told. And some years later, Another Pharaoh came uh, on the throne, and he was not favorable and kind toward the Israelites, and God decided he was going to deliver them and fulfill his promise to Abraham, and he was going to lead his children out of Egyptian bondage and take them to the land of Canaan. So we read in the second chapter of Exodus, that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and jo Jacob, and he sent Moses. Now Moses had already been a slave in Egypt, but he had uh, run away, and then he came back. Moses' life is divided into three 40-year periods. He lived the first 40 years in Egypt, then he went uh, up in the country where his father-in-law was a shepherd, and he became a shepherd with him. And when he was 80 years old, he went back to Egypt with uh, Aaron, his brother, and there they performed the great miracle. 
And if every man had a real testimony from Almighty God, everything that could be given to a king was given by Aaron and Moses, as you find in Exodus 4 to 12. But uh, his heart was hardened. He didn't hear their testimony. And we read in the 12th chapter of Exodus that 600,000 Israelites and their children departed from Egypt. And Pharaoh got his army together with his chariots and all of his soldiers and followed them. They got right near the Red Sea. And God let down a pillar of cloud. And it became protection to the Israelites. And it became a wall, a dark wall to the Egyptians. But they got through that cloud, and as they did, they got into the raging waves of the Red Sea, what the children of Israel had gone over. Now, if you'll notice, I told you about a, a man standing over here at the drugstore at the time we had the uh, World War, and uh, Hitler was killing, had already killed about seven, six or seven million Jews. And he was shaking his hands. The, Radio was on the uh, showcase over at the drugstore. And he was shaving his, shaking his head and had his hand up his head. And I said, what's the matter? He said, oh, that man. That man, what he's doing to my people. Well, I said, uh, God will take care of that. I said, you remember what Ferriol did? Ferriol went after them. And he was going to have them all in the uh, de uh, destroyed by his army. But they crossed the Red Sea on dry land, and uh, Pharaoh's army went in, and they went in the bottom of the sea. And I said, you remember what God did to Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and Belshazzar and Ahasuerus and Haman, and I went down the line. And I said, remember, Nebuchadnezzar was going to have a good time. He was going to put the, he did have the three Hebrew children put in the fiery furnace after they'd given a wonderful testimony. But when the Son of Man was in that fiery furnace with him, then uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a real testimony. And then I said Darius was going to have a good time, and he put Daniel in the lion's den. He had a good time. Belshazzar had a good time. He took all of the, all of the holy vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem down to Babylon, and he was having a great drunken feast. And you remember, meany, meany, tekel, you parson. I'll never forget that. I, I remember that text three months after I was saved. I was 23 years of age when I was saved, and a lady, where I went to the hotel where I was eating, handed me the uh, Bible there in the hotel, and it was open at the second chapter of Daniel. I went to the next chapter and I read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. I said, that's a wonderful book. I didn't know there was such a story in the Bible. At the age of 23, I'd never heard of Daniel. I'll never forget the first golden text I learned. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Then I remember the one of Esther. If I perish, I perish. Never forget those first texts that I learned back there. But when I read the story of Daniel, and then after he had a great time with these three Hebrew boys, threw them in the fire furnace there with the Son of Man.
standing in the midst of them. And Nebuchadnezzar vowed to worship him. But then his heart turned evil again, and the next thing we find, he's out under the oak trees, eating grass like an ox. Then Darius, you remember what happened to Belshazzar when he dropped dead? Then I went on and told him what Haman did. I said, you know, uh, he had it all fixed with the Ahasuerus that all of the Jews in Persia were going to be killed. And the day of execution came. And Esther says, I'll go before the king, but if he doesn't hold out his scepter, I'm a goner. And uh, Ahasuerus said, uh, Mordecai said, remember, you're liable to die. She said, if I perish, I perish. She went in before Ahasuerus and he held out. And there's a gallus over there that was erected for Mordecai. And Haman went on it. I said, you watch what happens to Hitler, to this man across the street. He looked at me and he says, my goodness, man, you talk like Father O'Hare over the radio. And I said, uh, does Father O'Hare preach things like that? He said, yes, I hear him over the radio all the time. You'd never think that man was listening. I said, uh, do you like what he preaches? Some of it, but I don't like those big tribulations he talks about we're going through. He says we're going through a big tribulation. I don't like that at all. But I said, didn't he read it from the Bible? Yes, but I don't like it. We've had enough tribulation. Well, I guess he thought with six million Jews being killed, they were having tribulation. Now, how did, uh, how did Mordecai and Esther get before Ahasuerus? They became prisoners. They became slaves. How did Moses get there? They became a slave. How did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get to preach to a king? They became slaves. How did Daniel get there? He became a slave and a servant. Come over to the New Testament. You remember what happened when Saul of Tarsus was chosen? Christ was up in the clouds, up above him. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the brick. Then he sent a man by the name of Ananias to him. He said, Ananias, I want you to go tell this Saul of Tarsus how great things he must suffer for my name. He was warned in advance. And no man, including Job, even the Lord Jesus Christ, although his sufferings were different because he was God in human form, no man ever suffered like the Apostle Paul. 